Hey everyone, welcome back to another Fight Site uh, UFC full card preview. Uh, it's me, Dan, as usual, and with me is Fenyo. And um, you may notice that I have spent the first five seconds of this not being morbidly depressed or anything. That's because this card is, unlike the last few, actually really good. Actually good. Like, actually, actually good. Like, not like, one actually good from... from but from top to bottom so like e crazy. even even the worst fight has the potential to be really funny so uh, honestly on paper this is by far the best card we've done in like a while all year yeah, the, even the last ones have been rough and yeah. and after that we had some fight nights that i'm thankful we're not doing full previews for those because <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, we're already shamelessly ripping off Bloody Elbows of Vivisection. Those guys do it every week, and God bless their souls for whatever sadomasochistic torment they put themselves through. Yeah, I mean, if, if you guys want to see us do that, like... No, you no, better, no, no. You no. better drop off some money on us. Yeah, because, yeah. because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh... Yeah, if you expect me to do that, like, DeMont, like, lad card, oh my god... No. That 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 one was rough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even watch it, but you know. Okay. So, whatever. We have a um, we have a full card to go through today, and um, the good yeah, news there's is there's a lot, a lot of fights. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> and and the good news is I think most of these are really really cool or interesting, but um, yeah. So we're gonna start off, I guess, with a pr the prelims. So at the very bottom. Uh, yeah, we're going by topologies order from the <laughs> bottom. Yep. To the top. So first fight is flyweight is Tagir Ulambekov versus Alan Nascimento. This is a flyweight, as I already said. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, two tall guys for the division. I mean, I mean, yeah, Nascimento very tall, five nine, and Ulambekov is five seven. So this is interesting. Both guys like to their straight punches, and both guys like the takedowns from the clinch. So. I think the biggest difference here and what is going to make a difference first is Olombekov um, actually very good on the counter and moving his head when firing counters, while Nascimento very stationary when he gets into exchanges in the pocket. And the other difference is that Olombekov is like an actual good wrestler. Nascimento yeah. goes a lot to the clinch and tries a lot of takedowns, but he's not very good at it. And he's... His game on the ground is very, like, leglock heavy that I don't trust against a Russian. And Ulanbekov is, like, better tailored for MMA, I would say. He's always hunting for the single leg when he's on the bottom, and he gets back very quick. Yeah, the thing that really stands out about Ulanbekov is, like, you can tell, like, there's ideas. There's, if, like, he's outstruck or in danger, he immediately goes to his wrestling game. But it's still, like, he's constantly disguising his entries with nuance. There's some openings on, like, resets, especially to, like, guys who are kicking him consistently. But it's, like, he's also willing to look for those longer exchanges, is if necessary. The one downside of that is you'll see him sometimes get a little wild and throw himself out of position. Yeah. But, like, you see him, when he gets, like, control of guys on top, like, he's really, really effective at making sure they don't get, like, advantageous positions from the bottom. Whereas, like, Nascimento, like Fenyo said, he's really, really stiff on the feet. Like, his head is very high on exits. He and has movements. I think when he when he steps back a little and tries to outfight, he, he has good moments. 
But moving forward, I see a bit of an issue, especially in this matchup. Yeah, I saw, like, some backwards movement, too. Like, very linear kind of ringcraft. Like, you can... And you could tell, like, his takedown game isn't, like, fully developed. Like, because he, like you said, looks for kind of, like, leg locks or, like, grappling exchanges. Which would be to his benefit here. Here and probably the route to victory. Because I don't really see him being the guy to, like, outposition Ulan Bekov on the feet. Yeah, but I think even in the wrestling... I think the problem with Nascimento is that he's he doesn't have much control, and mm-hmm. and Ulanbekov is like, it's like he's not going to hunt for submissions. He's going to look for his single leg and stay on top, and I think he's the, he's a pretty safe bet on this one. I would say. Yeah, I I'd agree. Ulanbekov. It feels like Ulanbekov minus just kind of a freak like grappling submission, like kind of his fight to lose, really. Yeah, I mean. There's always the chance that that fighting a guy even taller than him is going to throw him off. You never know. Especially w- when we're talking about a 5'9 flyweight. You don't see that every day. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really... I haven't looked up the complete measurements for, like, fighter-specific, but... Yeah, who knows? Because Bekov, I don't think, has fought a guy who's been shorter than him yet, from what I've seen. I, I really don't know. Um, uh, taller, I think you mean. Taller, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I, yeah, it kind of just feels like also an experience kind of thing. Although, like, you see, like, Nascimento is like, been around a lot. Y- you can still tell, like, the kind of the depth of experience they have in their recent fights. There's kind of a difference. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, I think, and I think if we're, if we're talking, like, grappling-wise... Um, Nassimato had a very even fight with Haulian Paiva, who is not precisely a, a, gra- a good grappler. I mean, he's he's alright, but he's very in line of very scrambly guy. On the other hand, um, uh, Ulanbekov gave a, a, a pretty good account for himself against Bruno Silva, who is actually a very good grappler. Mm-hmm. So if we're, to- if we're considering like like the level of the opposition, I think... It also points out to uh, to Nulambeko yep. victory. I'm picking him by decision on this one. I, I will too. Um, yeah, so with that, it kind of leads us to our next one, um, which is, believe it or not, one of the most interesting fights on this whole card. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, this, is, this one I'm very looking forward to. Yeah, this is one of the can't-miss fights of this card, I'd say. Demir Ismagulov versus Magomed Mustafaev. And... Um, Demir is also known as the guy our uh, friend Aram really, really likes a lot. And he is what you would call a really, really boring counterpuncher. Not really. Yeah. Not really. He's pretty cool. I mean, and he's... I mean, I mean, he's boring in the sense that he's not hurting people left and right. But for, for nerds like us, he's a delight to watch. Yeah, he's... He's, like, super active with the jab. He changes levels. He has a lot of setups. He's very proactive looking for counters. Yeah, Saram's article is probably the go-to source for kind of learning his game. But you surgeon is a perfect word for him. Like, his lead hand is extremely educated. You always see it working rhythm up and down. Like, working all yeah. levels with the body One of the best head. jabbers in 155. And oh, 155 yes. has a lot of good strikers. Like, think about... Yeah, that's that's a statement right there, and I agree. It's like... he'll. But the thing I love the most is, like, not only does he work all levels, he will draw your head to, like, a different position for, like, 
and time you with like a rear hand to the body or or to the head and play with that like he'll draw your attention downstairs or draw your head and then hit you to the body or to the head just to mix it up like his knack for timing and then reading his opponent with given space and then pivoting off the center line for a counter is genuinely brilliant like he's one yeah. of the best in the entire division at it if not the best also a lot of variants with the one two like he's a guy that can throw a very straight right hand but he also has like a technical compact overhand that I like a lot mm -hmm. and, and he's also a good grappler so he has the reactive takedowns yeah. on, if he needs them it's very very complete he's not an stellar head athlete that's the one thing that will hold yes. him back when he gets to the upper echelons to the division yeah it's um the the thing that if you want to see like him manipulate a guard the Alvis fight's a great like recent one because it's like he'll draw like the arms out with like body shots and then kind of step over and then smother him in the half guard. But it's like his bread and butter is on the feet. Like his game is kind of all about distraction and then leading into actual offense. And he's great at it. Now that there are kind of questions though, like Fanyo brought up athleticism. I I'd like to point out like, um, like there are points where opponents have kind of blitzed him backwards. And I'm wondering like what happens when he fights like a, a better athlete or be someone who can maintain a higher pace and force him to fight at that pace. Yeah, I mean, Alves was a better athlete by a good amount, but he's also like a very bursty fighter. Like yeah. he mm -hmm. doesn't, he doesn't like maintain a, yeah. a high output. Yeah, it's also like, like, cause you could tell, like, um, I think it was Alves who surprised him on the entry and like actually, I think drops him, but it's like or yeah. almost drops him, but it's like. You can tell he can be caught on linear retreats if he's fast enough, but it's like, you can tell otherwise he's great at tracking guys. It's, so, my my theory with him is just, um, like, he is very susceptible probably to being caught on his dips eventually, and I suspect maybe, based upon that Alva sequence, perhaps he kind of can be surprised. Because he likes to operate at such a slow pace, maybe he's not that durable, who knows. But... That's kind of um, where the intrigue with this his opponent comes up because Mustafayev is a freak. Yeah, he's a freak, and unlike uh, other like other Russian athletic fighters we're going to see on the card, uh, he's uh, pretty active on the feet. He's not very liared, but he he keeps a decent pace and he finds openings. He has a good eye for throwing. Like he has a huge overhand, and he also has the spin kicks, as Fiziev can attest to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Fiziev, that guy who's like considered one of the top strikers in the division, although he got outstruck by Bobby Green, but that's a different yep. conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, he like nuked Fiziev with like a spinning kick out of nowhere, and it wasn't just like that he set it up; it was fast too. Like he is a freak athlete. Yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah. And and he can also grapple, mm -hmm. too. He can wrestle decently. I mean, I, I expect Ismagulov to be a step ahead most of the fight. But if if someone can make someone happen against him at this level, it's probably Mustafayev. Yeah, Mustafayev's ring craft it kind of leaves things to be desired because he doesn't do yeah. a lot with his hands. And, like, Riddell kind of surprises him by playing advantage of that one layerness that you mentioned and decks him. 
So it's not like Mustafayev isn't durable either, and like Ismagulov kind of shocks people sometimes with his accuracy. So I can kind of see him doing the same thing as Riddell without being as powerful. But um, like Mustafayev though is very very dangerous. Uh, like despite being limited, because it's like, I mean we we were talking about this before the episode recording, but it's like if you've seen that Kevin Lee fight for instance, where it's like if Lee legitimately wasn't like the strongest guy in the division, yeah. then he would not have won that fight. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Lee needed every inch of being just a freak, just as freaky as Mustafayev to win that fight. Yeah, so. and it, it was a hell of a fight too, because like Mustafayev hurt. Good. Yeah, Mustafayev hurt him several times. It's a crazy fight. I highly recommend you watch it. Yeah, but um, it, I feel like um, this one's kind of clean cut, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, it's my goal of by decision is the safest bet. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Mustafayev has a decent chance on this one. Yeah, he has his opening, and it's not really a puncher's chance either. It's just like capitalizing on those little things as Magulov does. But um, yeah, this is definitely one of the fights of the card you should watch. Yeah, this one's going to be fun, 100%. Mm-hmm. So the next fight is probably the worst fight on the card, though, or at least up there. Yeah. Probably. So is we're moving to middleweight. Is Yaldong who versus Andre Petrovsky? So okay, so Petrovsky is coming from the Ultimate Fighter. He didn't win the season, but he won his his postseason fight against Michael Gilmore, who was like a very lackluster athlete, but a decent striker. And and who is like moving moving a division down for for the second time in a row. He debuted at heavyweight losing to Cyril Asker. Oh and then wait, I remember this because we talked about him before. Oh no, I just realized that. That's amazing. Did we? Oh yeah, we We did, like in one of the first like previews we did. We we previewed him and he didn't fight. Oh the he fight didn't? got cancelled. Oh that's Yeah, funny. because yeah, because his last fight was was the Rashad Coulter one that was like heavyweight and that was like almost three years ago. But yeah, we, we talk about him. <laughs> Actually, I remember too. So who is like very generic striker? He is pretty hard and he's going to be very, very big in at middleweight if he if he can make the, the cut safely. He just has one r- really, really, really big problem. It's that he doesn't have takedown defense or ringcraft at all. Yeah, I mean, he has... Yeah, the, the ringcraft especially is against powerful wrestlers is a problem. He has ways to get up, to get back to his feet. I mean, he, he can grab underhooks or, or a wizard and can wall walk. At least he can do that, but that doesn't... That doesn't sound like good news against Petrovsky, who, for all his faults, is a very powerful wrestler, very athletic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Petrovsky, like, you see ideas, basically, with, like, um, putting on pressure and then, like, working level changes for, like, um, his wrestling setups with his feints. Um, it's not, like, specifically multi-layered, but it's probably enough here. Yeah. Or, unless, like, I mean, who, who's just size bullies him, you know? Yeah. And especially because when when the wrestling is working, Petrovsky is very confident on his hands. I mean, he punches super hard because he's very athletic. 
The problem with Petrovsky is one, he tires, and two, when he doesn't have the takedowns available, he's very panicky and reacts like shit on the feet. Yeah, I got nothing else to add here, but um, yeah, I think Petrovsky should be the. Favorite. Yeah, I mean, this is, this goes one of two ways: either either Petrovsky, like, kills him on the ground or holds him down for the whole fight, or he tires and who actually hurts him on the feet and wins. Mm -hmm. But if I gotta choose, I'm picking Petrovsky by a TKO in round two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll take Petrovsky by probably decision or submission. And no win, and also don't care. But, uh, next fight is one of the weirdest fights on this card, potentially. But a good one. <laughs> but an interesting one. And Makwan Amir Khani versus Lerone Murphy. And, um, when I first... And my main question here is, uh, does Amir Khani still go to SPG? I think SPG is his gym right now, yeah. Oh, no. And that's not good news for him, I think. No. No, um, so uh, Aquan Amir Khani, I think the quintessential fight for him to watch is probably Shane Burgos, where it's like his grappling kind of controls Burgos, and you see like he's kind of dangerous there. But then Burgos basically realizes, wait a minute, this guy has no idea how Ringcraft works and does like nothing with his hands to threaten takedowns. So I'll just hit him to the body or, or upstairs until he dies. Yeah, I mean the thing with with Amir Khani on the feed is. He has some good ideas. I mean, he has a pretty good lead hook and, and a decent jabber too. But he can't put combinations together at all. And he also has like... If, if anything, at, at SBG, his defense on the feet has gotten better. I mean, Barbosa had, had trouble like hurting him on the early going. And then he started figuring him out because he's limited. But he's good at... at at being safe, at least. The problem is that his defense doesn't have any connective tissue to counters or yeah. to reactive takedowns. So, so actually, like, sitting back doesn't make sense for someone like him. Americani is someone that should be pressing forwards, and he's not doing that. No, really. he, he's waiting, and it's like... But he's not doing anything to, like, mix in expectations to really make it work, like you said. So yeah, I like mean, if you see when when... When he's having success, it's because he's he's doing his his classic his classic like jumping into a flying knee and going for a takedown, and, and it's actually like a decent setup for him because he's athletic and powerful. Mm -hmm. But other than that, he's having trouble closing the gap. Yeah, it's um, yeah. So as for Murphy, Murphy like you is kind of unbeaten outside of a draw with Tahugov. But it's like you can see, like he's more tested in some ways, but also yeah, and more I, and I think to have answers. I think he won that fight. So yeah, I kind of do too. But don't tell anyone. Um. <laughs> so so Murphy's thing is um, Murphy's I I think a little tricky to get, but you can tell like there's a lot of the um, like connectivity there, or is kind of already like steps for like building a fighter. Like you see him. Applying threats at kicking and punching ranges, yeah, he's, willing to work levels. He's very, he's very MMA guy, like in the sense yeah. that he's good at transitions. His his meta on the feet is very up to date, and he's he's pretty good at it actually. And he's also big and powerful. So, yeah, the problem is he's not really outstanding in any certain area. So it's like you kind of just have this well-rounded dude, 
but it's like yeah he he reminds me of like early career leon when he 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 wasn't so in charge of fights so he kind of vibes and fights and he does well because he's good everywhere yeah but but he has trouble taking over fights and i and i think that's that can be a problem down the line mm -hmm. yeah so i feel like Mur Murphy, like, yeah, doesn't really have real cohesion either. It's like, there's not really a standout moment, but there's not a lot of cohesion either. He just kind of does things decently well. Yeah, he, he knows, he knows how, he knows what to do in every phase of the fight, but doesn't have, like, the tools to take, to take the fight uh -huh. wherever he wants. Yeah. yeah. So, th I, I think the main question here is basically, like, what does this look like if it goes to the ground somehow? So it's like I think Murf Murphy's good, but he has some sketchy moments on the wrestling and on the ground. He tends to give his back when when getting back to his feet, and he sometimes goes for risky like upper body takedowns. And both those things are terrible ideas against Amir Khan, who 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 number one very strong in the clinch, super powerful wrestler. And number two, actually very good at taking the back. So, yeah, I think that the first round is going to be scary for Murphy. I'm pretty sure about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't really have any other takes on this fight. I think it just all depends upon whether or not it goes to the ground and how it does. And I don't really get Amir Khani's process for it, so I kind of feel like I have to pick Murphy here. But it yeah, feels I'm like picking... a trap. Yeah, I'm picking Murphy, but I think he he'll. Fuck off. So, so as I was saying, American is the kind of guy that can actually make stuff happen on the ground. So if Murphy has any lapses on the on the wrestling in the clinch or in the ground, um, he can get submitted actually. After that, I think American is going to gas, and Murphy has the style to make him pay for it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going Murphy by decision, but but American is a live dog on the first round. Yeah, I don't see any reason to disagree with that. All right, are you still with me? Oh, hey everyone, real quick. Uh, sometimes audio difficulties happen, so if you find any random transitions in this. It's probably because my internet is a shithead, and I am sorry for that. We will work on it, but just wanted to apologize preemptively about that. So, uh, yeah, anyways, we were talking about Amir Khani and Lerone Murphy, and I think both of us picked uh, Lerone Murphy as the more confident one. Yeah. Um, so, nothing else really to say about that one, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if, I, if it got what I said, but Amir Khani... A decent live dog on the first round after that i think it's smooth sailing for murphy uh-huh yeah i'd agree um so that leads us to the next fight and once again your favorite part of every episode me trying to pronounce and failing names so shamil gamzatov versus mikhail oleksajuk yeah oleksajuk i think Alexejic. i think they say yeah and um, anyway this is like heavyweight <laughs> Which, um, yeah, so the main thing that really stands out about Oleg Sajek is that he's a very, very fast starter, very aggressive, yeah. and likes to put the pace on you. And goes to the body super hard. Yeah, he, he's a little spazzy and loopy in kind of his attacks, but it's like 
he basically like beat the shit out of OSP until OSP was like, wait a second, you're very open on injury. I can just kind of take you down and meme you. Yeah. But it's like, the, the thing about Oleg Sajek is like, you see the aggressive ideas are there. Or with like the body work and like tearing you up with the pace. But he kind of like smothers himself and kind of leaps behind cooks. No real use of a hand fight or like kicks at range. It's just all kind of hands. And so it's like, you've seen guys kick him and he just kind of goes like, oh, well, I'm back on the back foot. It's time to keep charging forward. Oh, I got hit with another body kick. Yeah, but he, he to to his credit, he eventually figured out uh, Bukowskas, who is like mm-hmm. an outside kicker. So he can he can eventually like put his hands together in a way that he can't he can overcome the kicker if he if he's given the chance, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gamsatov, on the other hand, is like. I don't know, like, very generic striker. <laughs> yeah, he's not fun in two years, but in the thing that really, like, stands out, he, he kind of, like, he throws a lot of kicks to keep space, and, like, like that, Without, that's probably... Without any kind of process, to be honest. No, like, no, not... And against Oleg Sajak, that might just keep the other dude at bay. Yeah. Because he's, like, pretty big, Gimzatov. But it's, like... It, it kind of just feels like this fight, just depth on the feet and, like, things... You can do barring, like, Oleg Sajic getting caught. Like, it's just... It's hard to kind of pick against yeah. him. Also, I also want to add... I mean, it doesn't... It's not very relevant to the conversation, but... But Klitsona, bro, uh, got absolutely robbed on that fight against Gamsatov. Gamsatov did not win that fight at all. Hmm. So, so yeah, I mean... I think this is all Oleg Sajic fight to lose... I mean, he he probably will have a bit of trouble with Gamsatov's size with the kicks, yep. and Gamsatov is actually can can wrestle too. That might be trouble, but if if Michal can get get inside, I think he has a very big advantage. Yeah, especially especially against someone that's coming off like a two year two way. years yeah. without fighting. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, so I don't really have anything else to add to that one, so let's go ahead and go to the next one, which is a lot... Uh, oh, by the way, the peak. I mean, I'm we, going Alexei by KO in the second round. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, Elizu Dos Santos versus Benoit St. Denis. Yeah, and um, um, so is Capoeira versus Benoit St. Denis. Yeah, I'm just going to say flat out, I feel like this fight is Zaleski's fight to lose. This one is very weird, yeah. Like, I don't know why this got got made. It's, I don't know if, it's like Saint, if Benoit is like a last-minute replacement or anything. It's like St. Dennis's whole thing is like, you see him come out aggressive and like tries to draw attention upstairs to shoot for a double or a body lock, but he's all like kind of physical and like no substance on the feet. Yeah, the, the wrestling is not very... Not very impressive. Either, it's yeah. A, it's all about... A, it's mostly about him being very big and decently athletic. So it's but like... guess what? Like, Dos Santos is also very big and athletic, so... Yeah. It's like, Zaleski's defensive ring craft is a little worrying in any situation, but it's like, he's experienced and dogged, but he's fast also. Like, you'll see him take himself out of his stance, which is kind of how, like, um, our friend Lee... Jing Liang, the leech got to him, but it's like yeah, 
like that that doesn't really feel like a problem here because it's like if it just feels like big gaps in experience depth and kind of like yeah I mean Salisky's probably losing a step yeah physically on the last for few years sure. but but he's still fast and powerful and he, I don't think Benoit is going to like fighting someone so equal as him on the physical side I think he's pretty much used to the physical mismatch. And other than that, I think Saleski has, like, holds big advantages on the feet. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure, even if Benoit is a better grappler, he will yeah. pursue it for sure, but Saleski's solid on the ground. Yep. Yeah, I, I've... Yeah, this feels like the easiest fight of the card to call, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm going by Capoeira, by, by KO. Mm -hmm. Second round I'm, I'm picking. Sure, why not? Let's give the other dude a chance. So... <laughs> Um, next fight is Albert Derive versus Roman Kopilov? Is it Kopilov? Yeah. I mean, I mean, if there is a fight that, that's an easier pick than the last one, <laughs> is this one, like, this, this one is a pretty ugly mismatch, I think. Yeah. It's like, it, it feels weird because it's like, Derive just might win via experience and physicality. I did see, like, Kopilov kind of be a bit more sound on the feet with his strikes, but it's, like, it's weird because it's, like, both guys, like, a Derive seems like a quintessential tank with kind of, like, not a lot of control but powerful and likes to blitz and stuff. Kopilov yeah. throws himself out of stance a lot and has, like, zero kick defense. But, like, Derive gets kicked a lot and gets, like, the easiest takedown ever scored on the Contender Series. So, yeah. So, I, I don't know. It feels like... I don't know. What do you think on here? I mean, Kopilov's cardio didn't really hold up. I mean, he has clean hands, but he doesn't have much on the way of defense. Yeah. And Derive is a monster on top. I mean, he's yeah. not he's not that good of... I mean, he's not like next level wrestler like Habib is. No. But when he gets on top, he's very, very scary. And I, I don't trust Kopilov to survive that at all. No. No. So, yeah, Derive. Yeah, Derive, submission, round one for me. Okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, next fight, I think, is kind of like a, a really weird one on paper. I I don't know how... I feel kind of more confident in one guy kind of taking it. Zubaria Takugov versus Ricardo Ramos. And yeah. Um... Takugov's very, very strange. Why is he strange for a lot of people, would you say? I mean, he's very low low output. Um, he has a good eye for openings, but he doesn't create them. So he's just like he takes what he's given. He's very awkward too. He he likes to keep like a super long distance and will like disengage when the the opponent tries to close the distance. He's very annoying to fight. He, he also throws a lot of unconventional strikes, like side kicks and hook kicks. He's very weird. Yeah. Also, when, when you finally close the distance, he's like a very grindy wrestler on the clinch that is not very good at getting takedowns. But he's very strong and very athletic, so he's yeah, super he's, weird to fight. Yeah, Tukugov, like, um, he gives Hakeem Dawadu kind of a weird time. And, and I think part of it's just because he's so fast. Like, he's very, very all-or-nothing. Like, um, like, he'll reach out and square up in response to, like, some aggressors, but it's, like, 
you can tell like his shot selection, especially on his left hook, like are all very, very quick. But it's always like one or two at a time. You can tell he's willing to like brawl if it kind of needs to be. And like dangerous enough that he kind of scares guys off. But it's like there's not really so much process for him to kind of enforce things. So it ends up being these weird like grindy slow fights where it's like if the other guy just like figures out, wait a minute, you can be put in one phase and I can beat you there. Or he doesn't really have much to offer. Yeah, exactly. So so what about Ramos? What can we say about Ramos? Um, Ramos is a, he's also like weird fighter. He's also very athletic. He's not as big as Tuhubov. I mean, he used to fight at, at Bantamweight. Um, but yeah, he's he likes to kick a lot. Um, he likes the clinch. I'm not sure he's going to find success in the clinch against Suvaira. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a good kicker. He can put his hands together. He also can surprise with the random meme strike, like the like a spinning kick or something like that. He kept going for this bizarre like dance routine thing, where it's like he kicks behind his uh, the leg, to, and it's like basically just tapping the other guy, and the other guy's just like, ah like, yeah. And it's like I get what he's doing. Like he's trying to like throw them off with rhythm, but it's like like. And it's good that he's establishing, like, consistent threats at kicking range, but it's like, those probably aren't the kicks you want to use. Yeah. So it's like, like, you, you still see with his entries, like, that he's still fairly open and, like, his, and kind of linear on the retreat. Even, so it's like, I don't really know how to read him too well for this one, because it's like, you can tell, like, he has some things to get things done, but he's also fighting a guy who, like, excels at drawing you into like a weird part yeah of the fight. i mean the the big advantage for ramos i think is it would be his cardio he can he can keep up a, a pretty crazy a pretty crazy pace going into a third despite the, the amount of stupid shit he he throws uh to on the other hand i think he's so low volume because he fights like concerned about his gas tank but I don't know, like, Ramos like to have the big moments, and Tukugov is, like, a big moments guy himself, and he's yeah. bigger and faster. So, yeah. I don't I, know, I think I think Suva wins, like, a weird decision. Yeah, I'd pick Tukugov um, as well. Like, it just kind of feels like also kind of an experience difference, because I've seen Tukugov, like, in there with more difficult guys, and just also, like, experienced fighters, like, giving them some trouble, so it's like... And I don't think Ramos is kind of the depth the way Hakim Dawadu does in terms of, like, creating that phase to get Takuov out of his game. But it's like, I can still see this kind of a really weird fight. Yeah, I mean, it can go either way. This one is very, very hard to read. I mean, Takuo is, like, an IQ test, and I'm not sure if... Hamels is going to pass that. Yeah, I don't either. So I'm t- I'm taking Takugov by weird decision. Yeah, same. Yeah. So uh, the next fight, do you want to introduce it? Yeah. So we're going to women's strawweight. Is Amanda Hivas versus Birna Jandirova. This one actually pretty good fight. I like. I mean, I don't like the matchmaking here, but both are good fighters. So yeah, both are this physical. Be... Both are physical and like to push the action quite a lot yeah and both are also like 
um, pretty complete fighters. I think Jandy Rowe has trouble in wrestling and he was actually one of the better wrestlers in the division. So I think that that gives her a little bit of edge. Yeah, on the feet, like, Rebus is a little more, like, uh, layered. Like, you'll see her throw out kind of, like, feeler strikes, but you won't see, yeah. like, too much ring cutting or a kicking game. But Yeah, Hibas she- has, has the better process, but I think Birna is, like, the more natural striker. Yeah. Jahir does one thing on the feet, though, is, like, she is a little wilder when she commits, but there's kind of some purpose to it. There's not a lot of rhythm manipulations outside of that, though. So it's... Yeah. So, I, I don't really know how to see this one. Like, I feel like it kind of might come down to the wrestling game. Yeah, I mean, if he stays on the feet too long, I think Birna will figure out some stuff and will land them the bigger strikes. The problem with Jandirova is that she's, like, super content to play guard. And and Hibas is a, a person that she can't really play guard against. I mean, she neutralized Dern without much trouble on top position. Yeah. Um, other yeah. than that, like, and the clinch should be close too because Jandirova also pretty well bears on judo. But but he was has, like, the better process, um, all things considered. Yeah, I, I feel I, I kinda of feel this one's a coin flip. You kinda of just need to see Yeah, happen. this is very conflicting. I'm I'm picking Rivas because of the process and the the wrestling advantage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one should be interesting and and should be pretty good actually. Yeah. A good fight. Yeah, it should be. So now we're to the main card where like we get to the potentially like really, really interesting and potentially funny stuff. So light heavyweight uh, has a fight between Magomed and Kalaev and Vulcan Ostomir. And um, so I, I and Kalaev is someone I wanted to talk about for a while now because he is one of the only few light heavyweights you see, like, get, like, general ideas of, like, using, using measured footwork, counters, checking, and, like, good reads. It's, like, but you kind of pay more attention to him and you kind of see it's really, really one-layered. And so it's like, you'll see him, like, have a good idea with it. It's like, okay, I'm going to pressure you. I'm going to throw a kick at you. I'm going to, like, set you up for a counter. I'm going to, like, draw your attention, then take you down. But the one issue then is, like, you kind of notice then his decision-making's weird. Because it's like, then he'll get, like, taken down by Paul Craig. And then, like, he'll drop his guard and get subbed by Paul Craig in literally a second left in the fight. I, but then you'll see him like be the more like sound dude on the feet. But then Nikita Krylov just starts figuring out. Oh, okay. So you only like counter in like single layers. What if I punch after my kick and then yeah. Krylov starts outstriking him and like makes. And him also fall. the, also the kick defense wasn't really there. I mean, Ankalive eventually, to his credit, eventually made the adjustments. Yeah, and Krylov's tricks stopped working, but it took him the the better part of the half fight to like, to make that adjustment. Like the main tool, like Ankalaev has on the feet is that check hook, but it's like his decision making is always like somewhat worrying to me because it's always like he just decides that he's trying to watch his work, but he kind of doesn't work a lot. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Ustamir, on the other hand, is. He's weird. I mean, he, he's weird. He's basically he's Uz- very inconsistent. 
it's Oost, very hard to, to get call, a read on him. I call Ostamir really, really bad Justin Gaethje because he throws hooks kind of the exact same way <laughs> and it drives me fucking nuts. But it's like, Ustamir, the, the thing that's really evident is that he can fucking crack. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and the thing about Ustamir is like, um, it, it's like the best he's ever looked, I'd say, is Reyes and Latifi because it's like, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, he- he looked very good. I mean, I don't think he he won the Reyes fight, but... He didn't, but, but he surprised Reyes. Yeah, yeah. He also looked very decent on the early going against Jiri, and then yeah. he fell apart. I don't know why. <laughs> I think I think with Jiri, it's that... Partially Jiri's thing is Jiri's just very overwhelming with pace, but it's like... I, I think Ustamir is also kind of a front runner. Like, he needs to yeah. push you on the front foot, or he needs to be able to hurt you. And when Jury basically was able to push him back and have more layers on the feet and basically survive those moments and hurt him just as much, that's kind of where Vulcan threw, kind of fell apart. Yeah, Uzumir has a few tools that could travel on Kalayev. I agree. Um, one of them is the, the left hook. I mean, when when you're yourself a hooker, you, you're sometimes exposed to being counter-hooker. I mean, this goes both ways. I mean, it could be Anka Live, the one that counts, that catches Susumir with the with the right hook. But but yeah, it's something to consider. Other than that, uh, Uzumir is also like he's not mechanically a very good kicker, but Ustamir, he he kicks the legs super hard. Yeah, Uzumir. Um, the the other thing is, I have never seen that man throw actual straight shots in my life, but. <laughs> Uh, he might just be dogged enough and enough of a bully to go, what if I pursue you? Like, I can see Ankalaev kind of being like, oh, you're going to come at, at me like Kudalaba did, just maybe a little more intelligent. But it's like, that would be, Ols- a, good, that would be a good chance for Ozdemir to probably mix in, like, kind of the yeah. takedowns and level changes he did against Reyes. Also, like, Ankalaev um, is very decent at circling out of, of incoming strikes. Yeah. But Ustamir is one of the few guys in the whole division that are actually very good at doubling up with both hands. Yeah. He can double hook from both sides with decent power. And if Ankalaev tries to tries to just angle out uh, when Ustamir is still at range, it can be trouble for him. Yeah, because it's like, the other thing is against Reyes, like, Ustamir also drew out counters from Reyes that way with level changes as well. So it's like you can kind of see Ustamir maybe perhaps picking up on Ankalaev having a certain comfort zone and kind of like taking advantage of that and pushing him back. But yeah, it, th- this fight kind of like is hard to call until we kind of see things happen because there's things we don't really know about Ankalaev on the feet. So a lot of this is kind of educated guesswork. Yeah, I mean, this, this is very interesting because it, it will give us like, more concrete answers than the Krylo fight did yeah. again, about Ankalaev. Yeah, like, I've given Ankalaev some criticisms, but it's, like, um, some of those criticisms are theory-based, so we'll see where it kind of goes from there. But I do think Ustamir might be potentially an interesting dude at this point of Ankalaev's... Yeah, I, I feel like uh, the thing about it, Ustamir here is he can offer, like, some tests at this point in, like, the division that maybe only the top guys can maybe offer at the moment, but it's like, who, who really knows? This one's kind of weird. I feel like Ankalaev kind of feels like the favorite, but he also, like, it, it kind of is kind of based upon the unknown. I, I don't really know how to call this fight. Yeah, I mean, I favor Ankalaev because he's been the more consistent fighter. Fair. But, but he hasn't faced this level of competition yet, if we're mm-hmm. honest. 
Yeah. So I'm good. Th this was very uh, actually looking forward to this one. Yeah, me too. I'm picking him by by knockout because Usumir tends to to fall apart, and if anything, and Clive, when faced with adversity, he can stick to his game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll pick Usumir because it'll be funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so next fight. Um, speaking of interesting kind of potential tests and step up of competition, we have um a big prospect fight where. The now like famous Kosmat Chimaev is taking on the leech himself, Jingliang Li. Fenyo, how do you see this fight? Um, I mean, I mean the thing about uh, if we if we're gonna look at one fight from Li to to make a prediction, this one is, I I guess it's the the Jake Matthews one, where. Matthews didn't have much trouble at all taking Lee down. I mean, that was but, a while ago. But Leech also violated his eye sockets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the thing is that... The thing is that, I mean, Matthews obviously not as big and not as good as a wrestler uh, as Chimaev. But... Um, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... So the thing is, Matt, Matthew's obviously not as big and not a, not as good wrestling-wise, but he has very good connective tissue because he's this MMA native kid. And Shimaev, um, he's powerful on the feet, as we saw against Miss Shark, but I don't see the connective tissue. I mean, he maybe has it, but I haven't seen it. Um, either way, if he stays on the feet, I think Lee's going to fuck him up. But I think um, quite the contrary is more likely to happen, and Shimaev is going to fuck him up from top position. Yeah, so Chimaev, um, just to kind of break down some of his game, it's like Chimaev like, pressures and applies like feints to craft his takedowns and ground transitions against guys. Like, you see like the connectivity with his ring craft already. Like, an overhand, one fight he throws like an overhand right to a body lock. Like, and then carries the guy to the fence to that takedown. And it's like, you see there's unconventional, like, strategies at work, but he's very yeah. smart in how he's thinking about them. He also likes the the high kick into shooting down. Yeah, it's always, like, distraction to explosion, like, downstairs. If And it's, like, if it's likely that if it's not going to get a takedown, then he gets some positional kind of, like, advantage off of it. So, yeah. the bit, so that kind of leads to the big question about Chimaev is, like, what if that stuff doesn't work? Like, what? when does he face someone who actually doesn't allow him to do that? Or can, like, outposition him? And Leech may not be that guy. Because it's like, I was going to pick Leech co confidently based upon some things on the feet. But then I realized he fell for the Magni Clinch Hypnosis magic. Yeah. So then, because it's like, I see him, like, good at reading entries in, like, a knack for counters. Like... He'll mix up his targets. It's in like play with rhythm and oper and he's very opportunistic. Like he's incredibly yeah. jank. He'll cross his feet a lot. Uh, and he'll back up. But it's like if you give him room to work or think, like especially letting him work that lead hand, you're in for like trouble. Like th yeah, are and and not only he can crack, but he also like is very good at at catching people and blindsiding them and when you're not 
when you're not seeing the branches, when it hurts you the worst, just ask Ponsinibia about that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, and Zaleski Dos Santos, too, because it's like, like, the moment you give him something, like, he will try to take advantage of it. So it's like, he's really janky, he's very weird, but he's very, very dangerous. And so, that's that's kind of his opening against Chimaev here, but it's also like, this, this can this is like yet another example of it's like, okay... What happens after the first few times Chimaev's attempts don't work? What happens then? And what if it doesn't work, period? And that's yeah. where it's like, what answers will he have on the feet? So there's a lot of unknowns that could be answered here, like in any Chimaev fight. But yeah, do you... it would be very interesting if if Lee could like prevent a few takedowns at least. Yeah, because on the ground, he will get fucked up because Chimaev is a legit dangerous top player. Yeah, I mean, Lee is going to be like... It's going to be better defensively than other guys that Chimaev has fought, but still, Chimaev's huge and he's yep. legit from top. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I don't really know how to call this. Like I was gonna pick Leech confidently, but then again I saw the Magni clinch magic work, and I see him actually collapsing into a lot of clinches anyway. So that kind of worries me against like Chimaev, who has been shown to be nothing less than like. Oh, you're going to tie up with me? Perfect! Yeah. <laughs> Just as I planned! Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm going Shimaev by submission first round. Yeah, I'll go Shimaev by... I, I'd, like, I'd like to be proved wrong, but I, I'm i yeah, not seeing it. I don't think Leech is the guy either. So, yeah, it'll probably be a car crash for him. Speaking of car crashes... <laughs> The car crash of the card, ladies and gentlemen, is finally here. Alexander Volkov, the tall man of the heavyweight division, takes on the perennial entertaining funniest man at heavyweight, Marcin Tabora. And guys, this fight, oh my god, let me tell you how much of a car crash it's gonna be. Oh my god. I mean, I mean the, the whole concept of the car crash on this one will depend on... On Taibura's insane shin holding up because <laughs> because Volkov is is going to hit him so hard on the early going of this fight. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't get Volkov's process or like what he's trying to do besides pressure, but it's like and he okay. Yeah, I don't know what like Volkov's process on the feet is, but it's like half the time. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, like, try to fight tall. Wait, shit, don't know what to do. Oh, right, I'm big and tough. I'll just come forward and throw. Oh, and then, like, kind of gets away with it because other heavyweights do nothing. Tabor is weird because it's, like, he'll rely upon his speed and physicality. And, like, you'll see him trying things, like, switching things up, working behind. He has, like, super weird head movement, but it kind of works. Yeah, because it's, like, it's the only damn rhythm manipulation you'll see at heavyweight. (laughs) Yeah, he also, like, has, like, this super janky check hook that is not very powerful, but it starts wearing on people. And then what ends up happening is the other guys realize, wait a second, I can just come forward at you, and then they fuck him up. But then he outlasts them, and they get exhausted from beating him up. And so then he takes them down and beats them up. Yeah. And so he gets these crazy brawls, like, especially the Rothwell one, where I'm convinced both of them should have been dead, you know? But what can you do? So yeah, um, the the problem with with Tebura on this one is that 
Volkov uh, one kicks a lot and kicks incredibly hard because he's a huge human being. And the other one is that he can he can punch with both hands. I mean, Taibura relies a lot on on avoiding right hands, but Volkov has this weird super heavy left hook that he doesn't need a lot of wind up on. So, yeah, I mean. I mean, even even if Volkov Volkov's gas tanks have seemed super decent, even in the Blades fight, he was tired. He was still defending, and he he won the last two rounds, if I remember correctly. So, so yeah, I'm not I'm not seeing it for Taibura on this one. I think Taibura can beat most of the division, but this is not the fight for him. Yeah, it's a really tough fight for Taibura on paper, but it's also potentially. Also, the car crash I've been looking for and need, and I am illog- I without any logic whatsoever. I'm gonna pick Tabora out of spite because <laughs> because as I'm riding this train or die. But I've said all I need to about this fight. I don't see it, by, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't. I don't either. But fuck logic. Okay, I'm I'm going Volkov by knockout. Yeah. Okay. Um. So next fight um is potentially really really interesting um um Islam Makachev versus Dan Hooker. We talked about Dan Hooker a little bit ago. Oh, and we both agreed that he is actually the person we're supporting in this fight, right? I yeah, I mean actually yeah, I like I like Hooker uh, quite a bit and yeah. not a fan of I mean he's very good, but I don't like Makachev's style. Yeah. So Makachev, um, his whole thing is, um, I I think Makachev. The thing is, he does have a lot of hype behind him, but there's also a lot of unanswered questions. That's kind of been a pattern with a lot of fighters on this card. And Makachev, um, like the thing is, like you kind of see he's sort of a bit stiff on the feet, and kind of like I feel like he's more reactive than proactive. In- yeah, but. He's he's safe, but he's pretty safe. I'd say. I would he, agree. Yeah, he's pretty safe. He's, techni- he's technically pretty clean, considering his level of striking. Yeah, it's um, like he's very. I'd say he's effective at cutting guys off, off. But there's also the caveat that not a lot of guys, i.e., like Moises, are like offering him a ton of resistance. So, yeah. And the other issue is, like, he still isn't really, like, using his rear hand or, like, not much of a kicking game. But, like, he has shown, like, wrinkles of, like, greater depth at points, like, striking into yeah, the clinch. Yeah, he can, he can actually, like, mechanically, he can throw, like, a hard right hand. He can, yep. I mean, left hand because he's self up. And he can actually kick very decently, but he's not very comfortably doing either of those things. He's pretty much the lead hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like, that isn't to say he can't do those, like you said. It's just, there's not, like, cohesion behind that striking info yep. yet. And it kind of limits how, like, dominant it feels like he could be in the fights. Because it's like, you see, like, um, it, it's just a lack of mix-ups. Like, that is what's going to cost him. So my question with this fight is, what happens when he faces someone who is willing to, like, press forward and put him on the back foot? And that's where I kind of think Hooker kind of has a route here. Yeah. 
one thing that I think favors Mahashev on this win, because Hooker has, especially when he's looking forward to it, he has very solid first layer of defense. But Makashev is very versatile on the way he approaches grappling. He has a lot of... Mm-hmm. He's not He's not only about shooting. He can, like, find clinches. He can drop for a leg and transform that into a scramble. He's, he's even, like, more flexible than Habib is in some ways. Because he... He doesn't have those that superhuman strength that Habib had, so so yeah. he has he has learned to find more ways to take the fight to the ground. He's also super patient. I'm not sure if patience is should should would be well advised against Hooger because if you give time and space to Hooger at range, yes. he's going to fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Yeah, it's, like, Hooker, for, like, all of his little, like, flaws that you can nitpick, like, Hooker is extremely proactive, like, and knows, like, hey, I'm basically almost invincible. Also, it's, like, I can press forward and just, like, kind of pay attention to what you're doing. Hooker is also willing to work the body. He's willing to, like, set up counter knees. He's willing to, like, kind of push you against the fence and use that against you. Kind of, like, the hack press kind of fight style i think would be really effective here where he kind of uses yeah the hand fight because it's like makachev is still pretty lead hand dominant and i like it the pressure too yeah so it's I, like i think he may I, want to avoid the co- double colored knees like um that he used yeah, against yeah. pressed because tie-ups i would like to see like the the calf kick and the the lead hook from both stances i think that it would throw makachev off yeah, so um, the the one downside though is what do we think of Hooker's takedown defense and wrestling game? The first layer of takedown defense very solid, I would say. Um, he's very good at at catching underhooks and uses his his massive frame to to stand people tall, and then he can he can circle circle off pretty decently. Um, he has a a decent sprawl too, but. I don't think sprawl is the way to go against Makashev. He no, can transform that into an exchange, and he will end up on top anyway. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it kind of feels like if Hooker approaches this fight like he did Hawk Paras, this is kind of a dangerous fight for Makachev, just with some slight like avoid wrestling specific. But I'm not types. sure if I also can see Hooker approaching this like the the Chandler fight. Yeah. And, like, circling on the outside. Yeah, that'd be bad. I'm not sure that's the game plan. No. But I can see it. No, Makachev's not going to put him out with one strike barring some shock. But it's like, he's going to be like, oh, I have you where I want you. Now I can, like, do my things. The one thing with Makachev, just to be concerned about, is if he doesn't force that, but and Hooker eventually realizes, oh, I can do stuff now. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a weird fight that we won't really know what happens, and it, it kind of feels like it's just based upon like Hooker's game plan and how Makachev reacts to it. Like, yeah, maybe... I mean, I mean, there's there's still unknowns against Makachev, so yep. there's there's a chance that Hooker fights like the right fight and he still loses. Yeah, because like this this would be I think a good chance for us to see like, hey, Makachev hasn't really fought a top ten guy, or fringe top ten guy. Hooker might be a good test because it's like. You can see all the routes to success Hooker can have in this one. Yeah. 
So and, and also like three rounds, like Makachev, oh, yeah. Makachev like should should push the pace because Hooker decent gas tank, but he's not a five he's, rounder. Yeah, yeah, I mean Dustin started to fuck him up <laughs> with the wrestling late, but. But that was like the most insane pace, and I'm not sure a lot of fighters could survive those first two rounds. Yeah. So we'll see. And and we we've seen one one thing we've seen before is that Makachev's chin is not immortal. We saw him knocked out cold, so mm-hmm. there's that too. Yeah, and Hooker can crack, so he does. Yeah, have he that. can he can crack decently, and he also has the attrition. To make Makachev tire first. Yep. If the fight goes long. Yeah. So, I I feel like I just need to pick Hooker here based upon like seeing a clearer route for him and more routes for him, plus just unknowns about Makachev. But like, I wouldn't be surprised if Makachev kind of surprised us, and that would be kind of yeah. cool. I'm going Mac by decision, okay. but I would like to see Hooker winning. Yeah, I'll go Hooker by second round TKO. Okay, that's cool. So uh, that brings us to, I think, what we consider the people's main event. Yeah. For the interim bantamweight title. By far the best fight of the car. Piotr Jan versus Corey Sandhagen. Um, this fight fucking rules. I, this one, this one's going to be incredible. I just, I just hope we get at least more than one round. Yeah, it's like I, I was, I've been talking with Saram Ed off and on about this. There is no way, no conceivable way this fight is not going to be boring. It can't be. Like, I mean, even even if it's like 15 seconds, it's going to be exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's like these two don't get in boring fights. And these two, it's like, Jan is too damn mean to have like that slow-paced fight. And Sandhagen's too game aim to not like, not fight back at points. Even at his uh, own these guys are going to bang. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so, I feel like, um, who do you want to start with? Do you want to start with Jan or Sandhagen? Yeah, let's go with Jan first. So, Jan, I think, um, I think Jan is the quintessential, like, one of the best pressure fighters in MMA, but I think what he's even better at is, like, recognizing, like, adaptations and building over five rounds, not in terms of pace, but in terms of, like, effectiveness like recognizing this thing works here let's build it into this thing let's build it into this thing and then like puts all of them together you see Jan is basically strong in every single area of a fight like he's one of the best strikers in MMA period one of the best boxers there's one of the best clinch fighters too (laughs) one of the most ridiculous clinch fighters ever but also just like even worse like a transitional like genius between them him like and then like as he now famously showed against all Joe, he's one of the best wrestlers in the sport too. He's incredible. I mean like everywhere. Everywhere he's great. And I think it, it undisputable top three pound for pound like at un- this moment. Like in if not pound for pound, like even head to head, there is an argument that he is like edges out like Max and Volk as the best fighter in the world. But it's close. Like it's between those three. It's he's yeah. that good. It's just, it's outrageous to kind of just watching him and seeing how much he adapts and, like, does all these things that other guys don't do. He's not just, like, decisive, it's opportunistic, 
like it's safe it's usually like clear and it's instantaneous like he has super computer brain it's and ridiculous the, and the output just gets higher and higher as yeah. the rounds go so and he's also it doesn't make any sense like he is he is legitimately one of the most natural fighters i have ever seen in mma it's yeah. unbelievable yeah i mean i mean i was talking on twitter about about Betori like doing all the right things but not having the right feeling for fighting you know yeah and Yan is he's doing all the right things but he has like all the feeling too it's <laughs> it's just unfair it's it's funny because it's like yeah you see like weird things Yan does like he'll throw himself off balance he'll put himself behind his guard and like just kind of concede to covering up and going backwards though then like he'll eventually be like oh you're open and then counter your face off off out of nowhere or, like, yeah he he just has so much resources. I mean, he can fight at so many, at so many places. I it's mean, it's hard. It, it it's like even the things you can pick up, like I said, like the ones I just gave. You still see him eventually adapting to those and finding answers. So it's like, like all. I mean, the most trouble, the most trouble we ever seen Jan was when when he lost like two and a half rounds to Aldo on defeat. Yeah, and, and old. And Aldo was fighting against Type, doing the weird like, like open stance kicking stuff. Yeah, he was having a lot of success, and Yan still figure out a solution to that. Yeah, it's like in like Aldo. Um, yeah, Aldo. Like you have to have like the pocket savvy. Aldo did to like threaten the other ranges, like kicks as well. You also had to be able to like understand like positions and like transitions and like layers of the exchange, like Aldo did. It like Aljo um show that like you can mix things up like level changes into body shots or like through a hand fight. Yeah, he was multi layered. He was having a lot of success actually. I mean, oh yeah, it wasn't it wasn't sustainable, but he was getting work done. Good, good work. Yeah, done, it's just it's just yeah. it turns out Jan could deny that top area. Yeah, but also the B plan, the body work did like nothing, and Aljo tired himself out in the process, which is yeah. The most fucking absurd thing ever, but it's like, I I mean, what can, what can we really say? Piotr Jan is ridiculously hard to beat. Like, you can catch him if you throw with him. You can put him on the back foot with a lot of volume. You can work all levels. He can be caught by left hooks at the end of an exchange. Yeah. Like, you can draw him into some hand fight and play with that. If you touch him, he can touch you, but you can touch him and keep attacking. But it's like... It feels like to beat Jan, you need to have a few things. You need to be adaptable, you need to be tough as shit, and you need to be able to, like, be versatile. And it's, like, not And many... what makes what makes this fight so beautiful is that all those things you said, Corey Sandhagen can do. Yes. So... <laughs> Corey Sandhagen's key to victory here is it's, like, I joke that Co- Sandhagen is Condit 3.0. Oh, or at least I stole it from someone. I don't know. There's been accusations, <laughs> and but it was either me or Tommy Elliot. But basically, the thing is, you see the same kind of layers with Condit that you do with Sandhagen. Like you see that that opportunism, the aggression, yeah, the, the layers, the reads, the reads, the, the like, but a lot more technically sound. But you also see just the ungodly toughness. Like holy yeah. shit! Like um. And the dynamism too, like, like both both Sanhagen and Condit look like sometimes 
they can trick you into thinking that they are not that great of athletes, but, but they're they like very insane. But then they hit a flying knee from nowhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, uh, the, the thing about, like, Corey is, ironically, he still has that same problem as Condit, where it's like, you'll see him kind of concede to the kind of where the fight's going, and yeah. you just go like, okay, I'll we'll compete here, and we'll fight here. Unless the guy is, like, really passive, comparatively, I... and then he gets his game going, and it's awesome. Yeah, and, and the thing is, Sanhagen has skills to... To work on every phase, so that's why he's so confident about that. Yeah, it's like that's probably going to be his biggest problem on this matchup. Yeah, like ring craft and like conceding to the kind of fights that the opponent give is really scary against Yon, especially if you let Yon come forward. Because it's like, although Sandhagen has answers on the back foot, it like. The last thing you want Piotr Jan to do is work on the front foot ever. Yeah, I think, I think they they like change um, moments of pressure early on, uh-huh. and Sanhagen has to to make the most of every time he gets to pressure himself. Yeah. Sandhagen, um, like, like Sandhagen is gonna have to like work off that jab over time and work that guard to back Jan up. Yeah. Punish him to the body, like set up knees, attack with kicks. The left hook, he has a beautiful left hook to the body. Yeah, like he's always got to be like doing those things. But Jan is eventually going to pick up on that really quick and he's going to start like trying to fight back. And that's where the this fight will get really good because both of these guys, like I said, Jan is a builder. So is Sandhagen. Yeah. And I mean, San- Sandhagen is going to... It's going to... I think he's going to figure out pretty early how to take advantage of Jan's high guard and uh-huh. his like so- subtle head movement. Uh, Jan, I think it's going to take him a little bit longer to figure out stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, the the big problem for Corey is um, one is that Jan will have the wrestling in the back pocket that at is, all times. Yep, that that's the thing. Like. If this fight ends dynamically and quickly, that is how it's going to end. Because it's like, I don't know if Jan is the finishing threat on the ground that in the way Aljo is. But it's like, you've seen Jan versus Magomedov. You've seen him versus, well, versus Douglas Dayandrage. You've seen him in, um, like, Aljo on the ground or, like, in wrestling exchanges. That guy can control guys on the ground and beat the living shit out of them. It's terrifying. And so it's like Sandhagen isn't really like Sandhagen's active in like working for escapes constantly. And although that's probably not as dangerous as it would have been against Aljo, Jan, if the moment Jan's like, Oh, I can just take this guy down when I want to. Yeah. That is not like Condit-esque, but like still kind of like, Oh, I can take you down. He's going to look for that over and over again. Yeah, one thing to consider is that maybe Jan will have trouble keeping Corey down because of Corey being so lanky and long. I mean, TJ eventually had trouble with that. Uh-huh. TJ is, is very decent control grappler and very dynamic wrestler. Uh-huh. So he also got injured, so... Yeah. It's, um, like, I feel like the intrigue is, though, like... It, it does feel like no matter where this fight goes, it'll be exciting. But I hope they stay on the feet because it's like neither of yeah, these two guys too. 
neither of these two guys has really fought someone who builds like the other does. Well, maybe outside of Aldo, but like it it feels like a fight where it's like both these guys are going to maintain and build a pace and they're going to be both of them are durable enough that like you can see this going all five rounds and if it does like it's probably going to be a yawn decision but there is no way it won't be awesome yeah i mean i mean and and Corey is the kind of guy that can make a read really count he can find like a knee to the head or something and change the the course of the fight in the yeah, blink cool. of an eye. Yeah, I mean, like, Jan, Jan too, but but that's what make it, makes like, it so like, interesting. Yeah, like Sandhagen is like willing to touch you even if you're touching him. And like I said, that's one of the chances to hit Jan because if you're hitting Jan as he's touching you, that's kind of like the opening you can exploit. And like Corey excels if he's able to work around or in front of his opponent especially behind the jab. So it's like, like the the thing is like, there's so much that's bound to happen because these guys are such builders and versatile strikers that like the transitions especially will be fun. Now, one, one dimension we haven't probably brought up yet that I don't really, is kind of an asterisk for Corey is the clinch and Jan might kill him there. Might, but also Corey is super tall and that can be dangerous sometimes. True. <laughs> Yeah, so I feel like um, I don't really know what else to cover. This fight should be really awesome. Um, it just feels like Corey's like little habits and openings are going to be kind of the difference maker. On yeah, paper. I think I think the I mean both guys adapt a lot, but I think the the big difference for me is that Ian is better at adapting defensively as well not only yes. with his attacks and Corey gets a bit predictable on defense i mean mm-hmm. dj started figuring him out late yeah Corey's like defensive habits on the back foot are basically like like throw 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 and not re- reposition and that's not good against a guy who pressures like yon does and can close yeah. distance like yon does so yeah i i'm gonna take yon by decision yeah um, same yeah um, but it should be a lot of fun. Like, Sandhagen will probably have a lot more success than Aljo did with similar ideas, but different implementations. But, yeah, it, it feels like Yan just has the deeper toolbox and, like, kind of the cheat codes that are equipped to take advantage of Corey's weaknesses. Yep. Completely agree, but yeah. great fight. The best fight of the card. Best fight on the card, definitely. And if it isn't, it's a close second. So, uh, our main event um, is Jan Blokovic versus Glover Teixeira for the light heavyweight title between two of the nicest big guys in MMA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And people are going to be sad. Yeah, I mean, this one is weird because, I mean, Jan is obviously in the best in the best stage of his career, not only because he's champion, but because... He has looked legitimately good lately. Mm-hmm. And, and Glover hasn't been looking so great, but he's still super durable and presents challenge challenges that aren't actually there in the UFC light heavyweight division at this stage. So we actually haven't seen Blackovich defend against a competent wrestler in quite a while. Wasn't the last like wrestling threat he fought like Gustafson? 
because it's i mean it's, yeah and he and he lost that one like pretty hard yeah i mean i mean after that he w- luke tried to took him down but yeah luke's not that good of a wrestler yeah and then like, we have we had jacare that worst fight of all time we we're not talking about that um and then we had Corey anderson that was super interesting except for the fact that he tried to low kick like from punching range and got murdered so, so we we have no idea if jan can like actually yeah. wrestler against a guy that's good right now so yeah that that's kind of the asterisk because it's like Although I'd warn people, the one thing about Jan Blakovic's current, like, improvements and status is, like, don't use, like, the Izzy fight as, like, a perfect, like, representation that, like, his style would beat every single opponent he'd fight. Because, like, that Jury Provoshka guy might pose a lot of interesting questions to him sooner or later. But at the same time, though, what does Glover really have on the feet versus... Blakovic here, and there's not really yeah. a whole lot. Um, because it's like how um, like I I I could spell out all day like the things Jan did to deny Izzy, but it's like it, it's pretty easy to see that applying to Glover basically because it's like Glover applies subtle pressure, but his bread and butter is like trying to get kind of like that underrated like wrestling of his going. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this would this would be actually like pretty interesting if this was closer to Glover's prime. Yeah. Because he he was actually a decent boxer and, and he was fast in transitions. Right now Glover is like relying so much on surviving the knockdowns. Glover's and... whole process, guys, is to quote our friend Sandor, aka Cool Thought, aka Ryan Wagner's new serious MMA account. <laughs> uh, uh, to quote Sandro it's basically step one, almost die. Step two, question mark. Step three, haha, I'm in full mount. <laughs> basically, Glover gets dropped, and that's his that's his setup for the single leg. Yeah, <laughs> that that's that's what happens. We're in not. Fights we're nowadays. literally. We're literally not kidding. Literally, Glover will die, and the only reason he gets top position with most of these other guys is either a they don't have takedown defense. Or B, they fuck up the scramble and he ends up on top. Yeah. We're, I'm the, not the problem joking. is that the problem is that do you really want to be getting dropped by Blackovich? Like he's he's cracking so hard nowadays. Yeah, it's like um, yeah, it's like especially the left hook because it's like and he knows how to use it to like closing the door on exchanges, using it to kind of like be more crafty with his blitzes. But you also see Blockovitz being more creative with it, like transitioning. Now that's probably a danger here against Glover, because it's like, hey, surprise, we're on the ground. Guess what? Meme time. But yeah. Um, also, Glover, Glover at his prime was very good at at sleeping punches and coming back with counters. But he's not very good at seeing punches yeah, right he, now. And and Blachowicz, uh jab is is yeah. heavy and is fast. He's not going to see that one coming. Yeah. It's. It's like you can kind of see like this discipline building over Jan's career. So I think we do owe him a bit of an apology for not seeing that Izzy fight coming too well. Okay. Um, yeah. So part of the thing about um, Jan is like you see like the development 
with the cage craft and like kind of messing with the rhythm, subtle tools, the kicks, jabs, counter hooks, patient pressure. And like you can see that even in the Reyes fight before that, even though Reyes shit the bed big time. Like you could tell, yeah, this, some of the stuff he used against Izzy was there against Reyes. So it's like, yeah. like it's it's kind of like cool to see like Jan evolve as a fighter, but still kind of see those things there. But it's like, yeah, he also we, he also figured out on in that fight that the prolonged exchanges were going his way, and he took full advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- Izzy was a more complicated thing, but it's like Izzy's also kind of a complicated fighter to talk about. So we might we would need more time to like break down what he did in that one. But it's like generically though, Glover isn't going to offer those threats on the feet, barring surprises. It- it's just going to be the ground. So it's like it- it's going to be like danger for when those opportunities for transitions happen, or when like they tie up on the ground. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, if Jan fucks up and Glover finds himself in mount, you know what's going to happen. Like Glover doesn't Glover, doesn't let you up when yeah, he's in mount. He's, he's still great there. Yeah, Glover's top position is like I saw someone once describe it as green Khabib, like Khabib if he was green, and I think that's a somewhat apt statement. Um, it's like. Because it's pretty terrifying, like, what he's done to guys. Like, that Smith fight should have been stopped. Santos got the shit beat out of him. But it's like, yeah, you don't want Glover on top of you. He'll fuck your life up. And so. also, if, also, if Glover, like, finds, like, one big punch, I mean, it can always happen. Mm-hmm. And and Young has has been known to shoot when he's hurt Glover has a killer guillotine and, and a killer guillotine that he can transition to mount to so it's it's dangerous business I mean we're clearly favoring Blachowicz on this one but it's a weird one again yeah I mean Glover has has a decent chance yeah has 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 the, be- the best chance any man of 42 years old can have true so I think we're both in agreement. Uh, Jan Blokovic probably by like second round TKO. Yeah, I mean that's exactly my predictions. Yeah. Second round knockout. Yeah, yeah Jan Blokovic like nearly knocks him out in the first round. And has to survive the scare, and then like does a surprise surprise. I got through the first round. Here's a left hook and kills Glover. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's how it goes. Yeah, but um, all, yeah, that that's basically this card. Um. This card is really, really good. And for those of you listening who got really confused about the random audio cuts, it's because my internet's shit. And hopefully this won't happen next week. Hey, Ken, I'm very, very, very mad about <laughs> it. About it behind the scenes. Um, I'm going to break things. But I won't break this card. This card is amazing. And the happiest I've been doing a preview pod all year. Yeah, like, this this one's very good. Yeah, this is this is a very good card. Even the worst fights were fun to talk about for like a yeah. minute. And um, well, before we before we leave, gonna leave you with with some some of the fights you for sure should watch. I mean, first of all is is Magulov versus uh, Mostafayev. Do not miss that one. Um, uh, also. I would say a, a sleeper on this card is Rivas versus Jandirova. I think that that will provide quality. 
Um, and Kaliyev Ostemir, interesting yeah. questions. Yeah, Jing interesting Leong, question. Jing Long, uh, Chimaev, interesting questions. Makachev, Hooker. Yeah, Makachev, Hooker, the biggest of questions answered. So. Jan Sandhagen, because it's going to fucking rule. Yeah. Um, and, and that's it, that's the list of the best fights, I would say. Yeah, most... Yeah, Oleg Sechek versus Gemlatov might be f- sloppy fun. Yeah, also, that that would probably like will deliver action. Also, like um, Akami versus Murphy is, go- is going to be fun too. But yeah, I mean, there's not really a single bad fight on here. There's some weird matchmaking and stuff as usual, but um, at least there's interesting questions to ask everywhere. Yeah, let's let's just hope uh, most of this card make it to Saturday. Yeah, especially <laughs> especially, especially Demir, Ismagulov, Mustafaev, Jan, and Sandhagen. God help us if they take Jan Sandhagen. For yeah, me. no, do not take that away from us, please. Yeah, please, no, anything but that. Um, that's a fight we all probably wanted for a year and a half or two. But um, anyways, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. Um, hope you all enjoyed this preview. Hopefully next one won't have so much behind the scenes problems. Thank yeah, you. because we'll we'll see you very soon because Yeah, because two sixty eight is next week. And spoilers, it's not as good as this card. But it's pretty decent. But it is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, I'm out of things to say. Uh if you enjoyed this pod, you can also find us on the fight site. I'm a writer, Fenya's a video maker. Uh, we do stuff, you can pledge to our Patreon, uh, minimums three or five, I don't remember, or because money isn't my strong suit, and it's late, and I'm tired and mad, and, um, you can talk to a bunch of like-minded people off Discord who are way too obsessed with this stuff for their own liking, kind of like you or I, and... Exactly. And we all hope that you join our degenerate family of, uh, whatever the hell we are, But most of all, I hope you enjoyed, and hey, we're all fight fans. Hope we're looking forward to this weekend, because I sure am, for like once. (laughs) All right, anything else to say? No, that's it. Have a good one. And we'll see you in hell.